chapter 4, and I will get there eventually. I'm not going to start off with that scripture, but um, if you want a place to park, that's a good one. And those of you who are in the hallway who are not um, children, and unless you're on duty some sort, I'd prefer you guys to come on in. Those of you in the hallway, come on in. Join us. It's going to be good in here. (sighs) Did anybody enjoy the worship this morning? Anybody else? Okay, just making sure. Making sure that wasn't a dream, that that was an actual reality that I got to experience a little while ago. Well, let's pray. Chris, leave Lee alone right now. We're praying. Leave your wife alone right now. We're praying. (laughs) Lord, we do thank you for you, your goodness. We thank you that we can enjoy your presence. Father, you are so good all the time, in every circumstance, in every challenge, everything we don't understand, you're still good. You're wonderful. You're magnificent, oh God. And I just pray that we would just come to understand that in a greater and a greater way. And I know you've made a way for us to be able to do that. So Lord, I just pray that as we open our hearts this morning that you would speak to us. That we would have ears to hear what the Lord wants to say. And we'd have hearts to embrace your word and put it into practice. Our hearts are ready to receive from you, Father. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the teacher, and so we ask that you would teach this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're going to put it, if I'm going to put a title to this message, it's titled, um, A Culture of Expectation, It's Time to Be Intentional. A Culture of Expectation, It's Time to Be Intentional. I felt like the Lord told me this the other day. He said, just as we've been intentional in allowing him to develop more and more of a culture of honor in this house through relationship, you know, we've emphasized relationship the last few years, and many of you have bought into it, you've embraced it, you've welcomed it, and you've been pursuing relationships with one another, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been intentional in that endeavor. And we're not done. We haven't, we're not saying, okay, we're done with relationship. Now we're going to move on to something else. He wants to continue that because we need to move more and more in relationship with one another because we need one another. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 would prove that, that every joint supplies. And of course, joints is talking about people for us to grow up into maturity. So just as we've been intentional in allowing him to build that culture of, of, of honor through relationship, he wants us to be just as intentional to allow him to develop a culture of expectation that I believe he wants to establish in this house as well. A culture of expectation. Now, you may ask, now what does that look like? What, is it, what am I talking about when I'm talking about a culture of expectation? Basically, it's a culture or atmosphere of faith. It's a place where we come on Sunday mornings or when we meet together and we expect to meet 
with the Almighty God. We expect a greater level and greater manifestation of His presence to be here to change our lives, to bring about physical healing, emotional healing, to bring about deliverance, to bring about the manifestation of His kingdom here in this place. So it's a culture of faith, a people that have faith and that are taking God at His word. Because we believe that He speaks the truth and we believe the promises that he's spoken, and we believe that he wants those to manifest here. The church, Christians, should be a regular place of healing, a regular place of deliverance, of hope being deposited in people's hearts. That should be a regular occurrence. A regular occurrence, but it's not. And it's not God's fault. So he wants that, we want that, so what we need to do is we need to align ourselves with him so it will happen. A place of faith, an atmosphere of faith. You know, Jesus says, somewhere in the New Testament, I forgot to look it up. He says, "When when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find faith? And I believe he also is one to ask, will he find faith in the church? Will he find faith? You know, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. You know, it says that in Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what does it take to please God? Faith. Faith. It takes faith to please God. Without faith, you can't please God. So if I want to please God, then I I need faith. I need to agree with, believe what he says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I want to please Him, then I want to begin to move in faith towards Him. You realize that Jesus, the people that got Jesus' attention when He walked the earth were those who had great faith. Remember, it'd say that like the centurion and a number of them weren't even even of the house of Israel. They weren't even His, you know, uh, Abraham's descendants. They were Gentiles. Remember the centurion. He asked Jesus, please heal my servant. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. He says, oh, you don't have to come, just say the word. Because I understand authority because I'm a man of authority. I too am a man under authority and so I understand how it works. You have authority, so you just say it and it's going to happen. It says Jesus marveled. It's like, wow, that's awesome. Now the centurion got it awesome from Jesus. There was the woman, there was, um, the woman with the issue of blood. He said, oh woman, your faith has made you whole. There were times when Jesus marveled at their faith. There was also a time when Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Now when Jesus marvels at you, which one do you want it to be? You know, it's amazing when Jesus... You know, you think about it, if Jesus is here, it's like, man, if Jesus is here, anything can happen, right? I mean, if Jesus is here, it's going to happen. That didn't happen in Nazareth. Jesus was in the house, and he was shaking his head, and it said, the Bible said that he can do no mighty work except heal a few sick folk. That means he wanted to do more than heal a few sick folk. He wanted to do more, but he couldn't because he didn't have power to do it. Is that true? Not at all. He had power, didn't he? It's because of their unbelief. 
their unbelief. Unbelief will hinder, will stop the working of God in your life. We need faith. We need to move in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want a culture of faith in this house. I want to please Jesus. I want to move in faith. I want to walk in faith. I want to honor him with my faith. And I believe that one of the greatest expressions of faith, and if I thought about this longer, too long, then I'd say, okay, I know of another one. But I'm going to just say it for the sake of, since I'm preaching on this. But one of the greatest expressions of faith is praise and worship. One of the greatest expressions of faith to him is praise and worship. What do I mean by that? For example, when life is hitting you hard, circumstances are bleak, bad, rough, discouraging. And instead of choosing to grumble, complain, moan and groan and and whatever, and you choose in the middle of that circumstance, you choose to say, Father, I love you, I worship you, you're worthy, you're so good. See, that's not denying reality. Actually, that's embracing the true reality. That God, you're good, even though I'm going through this circumstance, even though things look horrible, you are still good, you are still wonderful, I love you, you love me, thank you, Father, for your goodness. See, when you do that in the midst of a horrible or horrible circumstances, that's to me the greatest expression of faith. Because everything inside of you does not want to do that. Matter of fact, you want to do the opposite. Instead of praise, you want to grumble. And would you agree or not? You know, you hear us talk about God's presence. That has become, more and more in my life, it's becoming my greatest value. I value his presence. His presence. And you know, one thing I've learned recently, I never knew this, but I heard a pastor say, a, he said that in the, in the Bible when it's talking about the presence of God, the Hebrew word for that is face of God. I never knew that. I'm like, wow, that is awesome. So when we're saying we're seeking his presence... We're saying we're seeking his, his face. And I remember a time in the Bible when it says that God met with a man face to face as one friend with another. God called him his friend. God desires to meet with us face to face. I don't know if that moves you. I don't know if that's incredible to you. That, that amazes me. But you know one thing, another truth is that there are different levels of his presence. Do you realize that? Because we know that God is omnipresent. If you can put those scriptures up on me, the first one, first Col- I mean, excuse me, first Colossians. Turn to first Colossians in your Bible. Colossians chapter one. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That's talking about Jesus. Next one. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Next one. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. 
All things hold together. In other words, if Jesus were to let go, everything would fall apart. All things hold together. Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere. You cannot go anywhere without His presence being there. Right? All things are held together by Jesus. That means, that's, is that just speaking of the believer? Or is He holding the unbeliever together too? Everybody. So that means every person, everything on this planet has a, a level of the presence of God. You see what I'm saying? Everybody. Okay, then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Do you know that you are temples of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So, and he's talking to the, to the church. This is Paul talking to the church saying, Do you not know that you are temples of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So as a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within me. So there is a greater level of the presence of God inside of me. Would you agree with that? So every person has a measure of the presence of God. And then every believer has a greater level of the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? 2 Corinthians 6, 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then Matthew 18, 20. So we see that every person, presence of God, believers, greater level of the presence of God. And then right here it says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. This is Jesus talking. So where two or three or two or more believers are together in his name, doing his business about his will, he's there in his midst. Now that wouldn't make sense like, well, well Jesus, you're already here because you're, the Holy Spirit's in me. So this could be a rhetorical or redundant statement. But I believe that shows that there's a greater, there's another level. There's another level of his presence when more, when Christians come together. Does that make sense? And then the last one, Psalms 22, 3. But you, O Lord, are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. We believe that the church, the body of Christ, when we come together and we praise and worship God, that He is like He sets up His throne, His presence. There's a manifest, another level of His manifest presence in our midst. And so there are different levels of His presence. And I believe that God is continuously inviting us to greater levels of His presence. His manifest presence. Not just the theoretical where we know God's here, but His manifest presence where things happen. You realize in the Old Testament when the priests, when they begin to worship God, His glory, His presence manifest, and they could not stand up. They all fell on their faces because it was too heavy. The glory of God manifests and it was too heavy and all I could do was fall on their faces. I dream, I long for the day when all we can do in here is be on our face. And just say, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And we can't get up because His presence is so heavy. And then when we get up and walk out of this place, we're changed. Because when you encounter His presence, you're not going to be the same. And see, that's the whole purpose. It's not about encountering His presence so we can feel good and have goosebumps. Although sometimes I get goosebumps, like, whoa! Because our bodies react. 
But it's not just about having a good time or feeling good, but it's about being changed from glory to glory. Becoming more like Jesus so we can be more equipped, more effective to do his will because I don't know about you, but I want to see his kingdom manifest on this earth. I want to see people's lives changed. You know, I want to see in this place, when we come together, that our expectation is is such that we think, if I can just get so-and-so to the sanctuary, I know they're going to be changed. I know they're going to be healed. I know they're going to be delivered. If I can just get them here. Because we become not familiar in a bad way, but we come accustomed to God shows up when his church comes to pray and praise and worship him. And I've heard wonderful testimonies in different circumstances. I've heard it man, God's uh, glory manifesting in malls. I remember a group of people were, were just worshiping quietly. They were worshiping in a mall in this certain particular area. And this guy came walking by and he came through that area and when he walked through, he threw somebody, something out of his pocket. It was drugs. Just walking through that place, the presence of God, he threw his drugs down. There were no police there. No one said, hey, you're under arrest. Empty your pockets. I've heard of people coming into the presence. In, now, we're talking not in the church. Talking out just out in the world. But people make it a point to worship and invite God's presence in that place. And then people who don't even know what's going on will come into the area and they fall under conviction. They start weeping. They start crying. And the people have the opportunity to lead them to Christ. See, that's a specific, that's a, that's a special manifestation of His presence that I'm talking about. I've heard of people in churches coming into sanctuaries where the church is worshiping. And people will come in off the streets. And they'll come right up to the front without being asked. You know, they come up to the front and they just fall down on their knees. And they just cry and say, I need Jesus. See, that's what I want. And I think more of you guys want that too. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a, a culture of expectation. You know, Psalms 40, 16, I didn't give these to you, Omid, so they're not up there. I'm going to just read through these real quickly. It says, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalms 34, 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And there are numerous scriptures that talk about magnifying the Lord. What does it mean to magnify something? No, I mean, what it, I mean, okay, back up. Now, what does it mean to magnify something? Like when you have a magnifying glass, what's the purpose of it? To make it bigger, right? So a magnifying glass, so some of us who need uh, glasses or uh, we need magnification, we need it to be bigger. Are you with me? Now, how big is God? Is he pretty big? So what, what in the world are the scriptures saying magnify God? I mean, isn't he already big? I mean, God's pretty big. Wouldn't you agree? So how in the world are we supposed to make him bigger? Come on, church. Talk to me. I love it. <laughs> to magnify the Lord, to make him bigger. If you think about it, it doesn't make sense, but it really does. Basically, from your perspective, magnify, make him bigger in your perspective. 
Just like I used to tell you when I would... I can't say I'd just do this when I was a kid. I used to do this as an adult too. When Lisa Lisa was driving, we would be driving through Colorado and and the mountains are in the distance. And then, you know, they're real, you know, they're, they're just majestic mountains. And, you know, you can make those mountains fit in a small little square in your fingers. You know, you look through there and you see the whole mountain fits. You know what I mean? But as you get closer, you get up to those mountains, they're not going to fit in that little square anymore. Did the mountains grow as I got closer in reality? Or did my perspective, my perception of them change? The mountains got bigger because I got closer. The mountains didn't change the size. My perception of the mountains got bigger. Magnify God means get closer to Him. Guess what? He's going to get bigger. As you draw close to Him, He draws close to you. He's going to get bigger. Your problems are going to get smaller. Perspective, perception is going to change. And I appreciate hearing a preacher the other day talking about this. When he talked about magnifying the Lord. And he brought up the thing about the magnifying glass. I got to find it. I just lost it. And he said, how many of you when you were children and you had a magnifying glass and you go outside and you find little ants or bugs? (laughs) And you'd fry those little critters, wouldn't you? What was it that burned the ants? The sun. Let me ask you this. Was the sun already out there? Was the ant already exposed to the sun? Then why didn't the ant burn up until you put the magnifying glass over? Because the magnifying glass amplified that light, didn't it? And what he said, I like what he said. He says he he took, took what already existed and gave it a focused place of contact. When we worship God, we give Him a focused place of contact. It's like He shows up. Bang! God is already here. He's already everywhere. We just said that. He's everywhere. But when His people praise Him, it says He shows up. He has received a focused place of contact that He's been invited to come and invade and and just bang, just love on us and do what He wants to do. I don't know if that does anything to you, but it does something to me. You know, there's a scripture that Pastor Dale, I've learned this from Pastor Dale, because I think it might be one of his scriptures, because I heard him share it quite a bit. And so it's become one of my favorite. But you can still share it with me. But it's Psalms 50, 23, and it says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. Again, it says, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who orders his way aright, I will show the salvation of God. And how I've heard pastor share this, and, and it means a lot to me. When we worship and praise God, it's like inviting God to bring his salvation into our situation. That focused place of contact that he's invited to come and even change our circumstances. Our circumstances can change when God shows up. Would you agree with that? Now, that doesn't mean they always change. It's not like, okay, I'm going to praise and worship God so that he will change my circumstances. It didn't always happen. And see, that's why I get back to my earlier statement that even if your circumstances don't change, but yet you still worship him, you still praise him, you still draw close to him, not so that he'll change your circumstances, but because he's worth it. He's worth it.
Now turn to John 4, 23, 24. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. King James Version. Verse 23. It says, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. But the hour is coming and now is. So we can't now, we can no longer say the hour is coming. Because Jesus spoke this 2,000 years ago, but he also said now is. And so we're included in the now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. But the part that really gets my attention, it says, for the father is seeking such. The father is seeking such. Who is he seeking? He's seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. So here's what I put together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So by faith, that's what pleases God. And then it said, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus marveled at people that were moved in faith. God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. You know, the Bible says that if you draw close to him, he'll draw close to you, correct? So it's like God has given us an invitation. Come closer. So we take a step, then God takes a step. He says, come on. And he he draws us closer. God is looking for. I want to be the type of person that God is looking for. Now, we know that God loves the world. He loves everybody. True? God, for God so loved the world that he gave. He loves everybody. But there are certain people that this says specifically that he's looking for. Do you want to be one of the types of people that God is looking for? Do you want to be the kind of person that pleases God? And we see what the Bible says. It says without faith it's impossible. God is looking for those who will worship him. Here's a note that I, in my Bible I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to share it with you. It's not scripture, but it's, it's a commentary. It says, It is the believer's responsibility to discover how the Lord wants to be worshipped and to explore and cultivate a relationship with Him out of which sincere Holy Spirit-enabled Holy Spirit worship will flow. Jesus instructs it, Worship in spirit, that is, alive through the new birth, and a glow with the Holy Spirit enablement. This is not mechanical, rote, or merely human activity, but dynamically captivated spiritual action. In truth, emphasizes biblical integrity, joined to personal honesty, manifesting a heart of sincerity, a humble manner of transparency, and a relational integrity. Meaning and meaning and being what we say, as well as being spiritually energized in our worship, opens the way that worship, or, excuse me, opens the way to that worship the Father seeks. But it says it is the believer's responsibility to discover how the Lord wants to be worshipped. It is our responsibility to discover how the Father wants to be worshipped. You know, if I love my wife, hypothetically speaking, if. I'm not saying that I do, I'm just saying if I happen to. If I loved her, then wouldn't it be my, in my best interest or my desire, my passion to know how to love her, to know what pleases her, to know what makes her happy. In other words, if she was allergic to roses, but loved carnations, 
and I gave her roses because I like roses. Is that love? That's like, honey, you, you're so ungrateful. I mean, I, I gave you two dozen roses. Cost me a lot, and you're so ungrateful. All you do is complain and whine. No. If I love her, then I'm going to see how can I love her? How can I minister to her? How can I fulfill her, minister to her? And I believe it's the same way as the Lord. How can I please him? How can I draw close? He gives us clues. He gives us instruction in the word of God. And I've learned and I'm learning and discovering that as I draw close to him and I, I, I take these things, I realize them and I begin to do them, something happens. And the cool thing is, is he's inviting us into that to draw close to him. I firmly believe that a culture of expectation is born out of an atmosphere of congregational heartfelt worship and praise. I believe the key for an atmosphere of expectation, an atmosphere of of miracles in God's manifest presence, I believe the key is heartfelt praise and worship by the congregation. Not just, okay, let's do this because it's part of the service. This is what we do. But it's when we take the opportunity, take advantage of the time to express our hearts to Him. I believe that's key. I believe that's key. So what do we need to do to create an environment that honors the Lord and welcomes His presence? So you're asking, okay, CJ, I'm with you. This is cool. I'm, I'm for this, this, this culture of expectation. But what do we need to do? And I'm glad you asked because I have some answers. I have three things that I believe we must do. And the cool thing is that they all start with P, so you'll remember What must we do? First of all, number one, we need to prepare. We need to prepare to enter into his presence. We need to prepare to enter into his presence. We need to come ready to worship. Our hearts ready to engage him. See, too many of us, we come... And then we let the atmosphere prepare us to worship. And that's why I can take, like, it may take me three songs before I really start getting into it. And then by the end, it might be too late. But if I prepare my heart to worship God, then guess what? When I come in here and the musicians start their very first song, boom, I'm there. But I have to come prepared. There's an intentionality that must happen. We can't wait for the music to move us. We can't wait to see if they're playing my favorite song or not. It, forget the song. The song is just a vehicle by which I can enter into His presence. I have to come prepared. How do I do that? I cannot let this, I cannot let Sunday morning be my quiet time. Some of us, you have one quiet time a week it happens to be on Sunday between 10 and 12 this is your experience with God this is your quiet time this is your worship this is your time in the word hey do you get in the word oh yeah I get in the word do you worship heck yeah I worship Sunday morning 10 to 12 (laughs) if this is your quiet time then first of all you're missing out on a whole bunch you're missing out You're missing out. And you will not grow into a mature believer. It's just like eating once a week. Physical food. 
you might be able to survive? Probably. Eating once a week. But how strong are you going to be? You're going to be very weak. So Sunday morning shouldn't be our, our uh, only quiet time. It should become an extension of our quiet time. It should be an extension of our relationship. I'm spending time with God throughout the week. And Sunday morning I get to come and hang out with other believers who have been doing the same thing. And together we come and worship Him together. That's what Sunday morning should be. Let me ask you this question. Is worship a regular part of your life or is it something that happens mostly on Sundays and on rare occasions throughout the week? Rare occasions. You know, I was thinking about this last night and it just hit me. Is worship a regular part of my life? Is it a regular part of your life? A regular part. Say, well, yeah, I regularly come to church on Sunday. Four times a month, bro. Sometimes five when we have five fifth Sunday. But every day worshiping God. Because see, we're not talking about a religion. And I know you know that. What if I only hung out with my wife once a week? Be in big trouble. And I'd be out the door. You know, in the Bible, it... it when God talks about our relationship with Him, He uses analogy, and a lot of times He uses marriage. He gives us a picture so that we can relate and understand. He uses human relationship to show, this is a picture of what our relationship should be like. When He talked to, was it Moses or Abraham? Maybe it was both of them. When He said, I look, they met face to face like friends. See, we understand friends. We understand what it means to hang out with our friends. We understand what it means to love our spouse. We understand what it means to have close relationships with our brothers and sisters. We understand that. So God says, okay, I know you understand that because that's what you can see, taste, feel. You can experience that. I want that with you and me. See, he's invisible. But he still wants us to learn to develop a relationship because he is real. But sometimes we forget that because we don't see it. And he wants to raise our awareness that he's real and all present. Every single day. All the time. And what do I mean by worship? Because many of us may have different ideas of what worship looks like. Because like you hear, well, it's our worship service, and that includes everything. The offering, the communion, the sermon, the music, and all that kind of stuff. I'm specifically talking about the point in time when we stop, and we focus on God, and we sing song to Him. We sing, and we, we lift Him up, and we, we exalt Him, and we worship Him. We thank Him. We're singing songs to Him, specifically, directly. That's what I mean by worship. Okay, I'm not talking about listening to Christian radio. See, Christian radio is okay, it's good, but it, that's playing songs typically to edify the Christian. And that's what I'm not talking about. This isn't about us. This is music that's directed towards Him. I'm talking about God, you are awesome, you are it, you're what it's all about, I love you specifically. I'm not talking about watching Christian TV. And I'm not even talking about having worship music in the background, although that's good. In the background, I'm talking about, and those things are good. All the things I just said are okay. Watching Christian TV, listening to the radio, all those things. 
but what I'm talking about and what God is one to invite us into is a specific face-to-face encounter with him. That's intentionality. And that's what he's inviting us to do. So we have to prepare, number one. Number two, we have to participate. We have to actively engage in this opportunity to intimately connect with our Father. And in this kind of church, a charismatic church, where we're used to praise and worship, we're used to the, to the type of music we listen to. And it can become routine in our hearts if we're not careful. And so we have to intentionally choose, God, I'm going to worship you today. I'm going to honor you. Father, I bless you. I love you. And that's something we ought to be doing all the time. We can do that all the time. As we're working, as we're doing whatever we're doing, and of course we want to give our focus, attention to our task because we want to be good employees. So I'm not talking about goofing off and making an excuse. But throughout the day, we can remind ourselves of Him by worshiping Him. So we need to actively participate. So when the, when the music starts, when the worship team is up front, <clears throat> those of you who've been coming to New Covenant Fellowship for a while know that at 10 o'clock, they're up there and we start. So that is an opportunity, that's an invitation for us to join in with our brothers and sisters and worship Him. But see, the thing is, is you can choose to engage or choose not to engage. You can choose to participate or not to participate. That's our choice. That's the invitation by God. And number three. So number one, we need to prepare ourselves before we come to church. Number two, we participate when we're at church. And number three, we need to protect. We need to protect the environment. If we truly want a, if we truly value a worshipful environment, then we must protect that environment. I've been thinking about this part that I'm about to talk about for a number of days, for quite a few days actually. And as the week was coming this week, I was thinking about it even more and more. And then yesterday I met with some leaders and we talked about it. And um, I was thinking, no, you know, because I was trying to think, well, maybe I don't have to talk about this, whatever. But I realized, especially this morning, that when, a, when the Lord puts messages on my heart as your pastor, it's for the good of the body. It's for my good and it's for our good. And this is something I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to say because remember what He's wanting to create. See, I didn't think of this idea. You know, it'd be cool to have an environment, of a culture of expectation. I believe three and a half years ago, actually four years ago, God put that on my heart. He bugged me. He's the one that initiated said, CJ, this is what I want you to partner with me to do in this church. Culture of expectation. And so number three, we must protect the environment. If we truly want this type of thing, if we want to worship environment, we must protect it. How do we do that? Psalms 133 verses 1 through 3, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the beard running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So here we see a picture of what it looks like when brothers dwell together in unity, right? Matter of fact, they dwell together in unity and and it is so special to God that He commands His blessing there. It says where brothers dwell together in unity, God commands His blessing there. 
We want God to command His blessing here. We want His presence here, right? Key, brothers dwell together in unity. You know, like-minded, of like faith, pursuing the same thing. You know, I realize that New Covenant Fellowship is not for everybody. Do you realize that? It is not for everybody. I believe in what we're doing. I believe that God's given us direction. But not every Christian, even, you know, even Christian, is meant for this house. And that's why it's important for every believer to find where God wants to plug them in. Because I believe every church that's preaching Jesus and preaching the word of God, they are the body of Christ. They're part of the body of Christ. But we have different assignments, different callings, different personalities that are going to appeal to different people. Where people are going to be able to plug into certain places and be able to grow up and be mature and effective and serve His kingdom. Not everybody's going to come here and like this place or agree or feel this is what God's plugged them in. Our goal is not to be for everybody. I've come to that conclusion. Our goal is not to be for everybody. And the reason why I'm sharing this, I want you to understand, what do we want here? We want a culture of expectation. That's a supernatural culture. In case you didn't know that. That's supernatural. Sometimes supernatural doesn't look pretty. It doesn't. Sometimes it looks messy. I remember I had a vision. I shared this before. Years ago, I had a vision. And I don't remember where I was. I, I must have been up there because the, the perspective was out this way. And something was happening. No, I right. I was preaching, so I was standing here. Pre- and something happened. God was doing something. And then this woman, she was dressed a particular way. I don't want to say it anymore how she dressed because she might show up and don't want anybody to stare at her. But she was dressed a certain way. And a very distinguished looking woman. And she came up to the front. And she began to start vomiting. Yeah, yuck, puke stuff. Vomiting. And then she was free. And she just crying. Her mascara was running down her face and she was just crying. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I'm free. And she was just crying and bawling and so excited. And what I remember in that vision, some of us were excited about her freedom. And other, others of us couldn't get our eyes off the vomit. We were so disturbed by that mess. And I remember talking, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to Bill Woods not too long ago. How many of you guys know Bill and Tammy Woods? Wonderful man and woman of God. They have a wonderful work going on in Chiapas. And Bill told me this. He reminded me. Because I remember a year and a half ago, two years ago, they had a, a, a wonderful move happen in their church. And in part of it, because they were telling me more specifics, and I guess Tammy was saying there was a woman who was in the witchcraft, and she got saying her thing, and she was being delivered, and she was vomiting all over the place. But she was wonderfully delivered. Wonderfully delivered. See, that actually happened. I just had a vision, so it's okay. Don't be scared. <laughs> But the point I want to make is, we are God's people. We value His presence. We want His kingdom to manifest. Now, when we say, God, we want you, we want you to have your way, we don't want to control what that looks like. And it may not fit in our box, our paradigm. But what we want to do is learn how to line up with Him. So that he can have his way. And we're learning how to do that. I don't have it all figured out. The leaders don't have it all figured out. We're saying, God, teach us, show us. We want to follow you. 
And then he says, as leaders, he's called us to protect. He's called us to encourage. Our job is to equip you. Our job, our passion is to help you to be successful in what God has called you to do. Our job isn't to get you to do our vision. Our job and our vision is to get you to do what God's called you to do. And we want to be the most effective that we can. And so we have to protect. And what does that mean? We can't tolerate irreverence for his presence. Irreverence. You know, in our nation, our, our culture, let me say our culture, and maybe in the younger generation, including my generation, and, and in this house, we, we focus and we talk about God's love, which I'm passionate about his love for us. But unintentionally, what can happen is we can think that, oh, God is all loving and God's good and he's my homie and he's... And then we can begin to have this irreverence for God. The fear of God begins to... Well, God, fear of God just means to just have respect and appreciate God. No, there's more to it than that. Fearing God is not just having respect for God. There's a being afraid of his awesomeness because he's an all-consuming fire. There's a, but it's not afraid of, we're afraid of God where we move back, but it's an awesome fear and reverence where we draw close, like Moses did. See, the children of Israel ran away from, they were afraid. Moses drew close. He was his friend. And I believe what's happened in the church is there's this irreverence. The fear of God has gone down. There's an irreverence. We don't respect his presence. We don't respect his presence. There's no fear of God in our hearts. We take his presence lightly. We show up whenever. Come late. I know worship starts at 10. I can get here at 1020. It's okay because the word hasn't happened yet. See, we have reverence for the word to a certain extent. Or hearing the word because we're not doing it all the time. But when it comes to worship, it's like that's okay to be late to. That's okay. That's okay. I can't explain it. And I understand. You have to hear me here. Those of you who know me, I hope you hear my heart because this might get a little hard. I understand that there are reasons for being late. I understand that. But it's the motive that the Lord's looking at. Why am I late? Constantly. Is it because I got kids and they're, they're pooping their diapers right before I walk out the door? Or I get a blast of poop all over me or vomit or whatever? I understand that. Because that happened to her a lot. <laughs> I understand that there are reasons. Okay? I understand that. But if I'm intentionally not trying to guard against that, if I'm lax in my heart and attitude that it's okay to be late, I mean, it's no big deal. Is God going to love you less, me less? No. That's not it. It's not about his love for us. It's not about performing for his love. It's about honoring and reverencing him. It's about desiring and cultivating an atmosphere for his, I mean, a pre, uh, atmosphere for his presence. You know, the Bible does talk about do not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what says that? 
So there is a way that we can grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is grieved or quenched, then I take it that his presence is not free to be in that place. If I grieve or quench the Holy Spirit, then I'm, there's some kind of hindrance of him working in my life. He hasn't left me. Let me get that straight. He has not left me. He's not going to leave you when you grieve him or quench him when we, you and I sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about levels of his glory, of his presence. And I don't think he's going to be free to fully manifest his presence when I don't care if he shows up or not. When I, when my, I don't have an expectation in my heart to embrace that and say, God, help me. Help me to honor, to reverence you. You know, I was telling Lisa yesterday, my wife Lisa, there's two Lisas right there, my wife Lisa. <laughs> I said, honey, you know those times when, when, all you can do is just think about how awesome God is and you just, it's just like, man, he's awesome, he's awesome, he's awesome. I don't know what else to say. I've been in that these last number of days. And how it manifests to me, how I know when God's doing something is when I get in my vehicle, my tendency is to turn on sports radio. That's, I like sports radio. So my tendency is to turn on sports radio when I just want to chill or veg or just be mindless or whatever. I, mean, I think you guys can relate to what I'm talking about. But recently, when I go to turn it on, or I may turn it on, and I'll turn it off and say, "Uh uh-uh, and I start praying in tongues. I start worshiping. I turn on my worship music. And all I want to do is worship. Worship, 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 worship. Sing, 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 sing. God, you're awesome. I started doing that on my way to Oklahoma City a couple days ago. Started singing, started singing, started singing. And all of a sudden, I started yelling. I mean, yelling. And I probably look like a freak to the person driving past me. Dude, what's up with that guy? Because I probably looked like I was having an accident even though I was like... <laughs> but I would... Because this, this, this explosion this was coming up out of me. And I chose to release it. I felt it happening again this morning. Man, when I hit that one song, Jesus, you took my place. I was like, oh God... I can't take this. You rock. I mean, I, I just, so all I could do is shout. Ah! Oh, sorry. Sorry, I mean, I forgot the song. How's that? But God is inviting us to honor and reverence him because he has something good for us, and that's him. We have to be careful not to align ourselves. You know, back in that scripture where it says, where brothers dwell together in unity. We have to be careful not to align ourselves with something or the enemy that would try to cause division. See, the enemy wants to cause division because if division can come in, then the blessing of God is going to be limited in that place and his blessing is not going to flow like God wants it to because divisions happen. And we can sometimes unintentionally align ourselves in a situation that can cause division. That might not have been our intent. We can, you know, the Lord told me, he, he didn't tell me, he brought conviction to my heart because I had been giving my ear to criticism of a, a specific church in town. I'd given my ear to criticism, not necessarily my tongue, but my ear to criticism. And the Lord convicted me. And I repented. And now I, when I think of that church and that pastor, I bless them wholeheartedly. But even though I wasn't necessarily giving my mouth to, I was giving, I was aligning myself 
with criticism of another brother. And sometimes we can put ourselves in that situation and may not even realize it. We have to be careful to guard ourselves against grumbling, complaining, gossiping. For example, I'm going to bring this situation up, music, because I hear it a lot. Our music, our worship team, right there. The volume, the style. There's a lot of talk about that. And all I'm saying is we have to be careful because we can put ourselves in a situation because it's about our heart and our attitude. And even if I don't say anything but I give my ear to that, then guess what? My heart and my attitude towards the person that I'm hearing grumbling against can go bad. See, that's what was happening against this pastor. I didn't even know this pastor. But my heart and my attitude towards him was going south because I gave my ear to listen to the criticism. And we have to guard ourselves against that. And speaking of the volume of the music, some people may think, well, I know you have it loud to attract young people. No, that's not the case. All you have to do is just turn it down. That's not necessarily the case. The, the guys are working. We're trying to figure out better ways to help with the volume. There are practical and technical reasons for a lot of the volume issues. I promise you that. It's not just because we just like it loud, we don't like it tough. That is not our heart. And I hope you would understand that that's not our heart. So there's practical reasons. One of them is, if we had certain expensive equipment, that would fix a lot of it. But we don't have that equipment. Monitors, in-ear monitors is a big, is a big thing. And I'm not going to get into all the technical stuff because I'd have to call Todd up to say, can you explain this because I don't know what I'm talking about. But the point is, is the volume situation is something we're trying to work on. It's not of take it or leave it, too bad, so sad. That is not our heart at all. And I want to say that so you know that it's not our heart. Our style of music, that's what we believe God wants us to do. Do you trust the leadership here? Because if you don't, if you sincerely don't, I'm not saying this as a, as a criticism, if you sincerely don't trust the leadership here, you're in the wrong place. You need to go and worship where you can trust the leadership. Where you can trust and you can open your heart because you feel safe. If you don't feel safe here, this place isn't for you. I want you here, but if you don't feel safe here, it's probably better, there's probably safer places for you. And this other thing, I've noticed over the years and more recently, and I feel like the Lord's saying, it's time for this to stop. I didn't think it was a big deal, but I believe it is. It's like when, now when I'm preaching, I'm in here, so I don't know what's going on out there, but when I'm not preaching, I feel he's the bathroom, I slip out to the restroom, and I notice another church, NCF Part 2, in the hallway. I'm like, whoa, there's a conference going on out here. I'm missing out on something. And there's people out there hanging out, chilling, talking, having a great time. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. But the the concern that I have is a couple of things. One is, God gave, Jesus gave gifts to the church, fivefold ministry. 
He gave the gift of his word to the church to equip the saints to build us up so we can be mature. If you're here at church, but you're not giving yourself to listen to the word from the gift of God, are you valuing the gift of God? I'm not talking about valuing me. I hope you get the distinction. I'm not talking about valuing me. I'm not talking about being here and listening to me so my ego can feel good. But I'm talking about when God has a provision for you to deliver a message, to deliver revelation to you, and you're not giving your ear to it. You're here in the building, but you're out in the hallway. Because I'm thinking, if the word is boring or, or if I just don't like it, whatever, I'm going to stay home and get some more sleep. That's me. And what can happen? Here's what can intentionally happen. Now, those who do that or did that or whatever, I'm not, I'm not thinking that the, the motive is ill. But I just want to encourage you because what can happen is you may be doing something innocent to you, but it gives off an appearance and it can discourage another brother or sister. Because maybe your brother or sister really needs to hear what's going to be spoken of today. They really need it. They may be a young, immature believer, but instead of sitting down for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever, they'd rather hang out and talk. And so they hang out and talk with you, who's maybe a more mature believer, and then they miss the provision that God wants to deliver. Am I making any sense? And so I'm going to ask, I'm not going to make you. I don't do that. I'm going to ask that unless you're Ron who monitors the halls or hall monitors or you're on duty from some ministry out there that if you're not doing that that you would be in here or sleep in at home in a nice warm bed now remember how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity now I'm saying that seriously that's where God commands his blessing and I think you guys know, those of you who've been around long enough know me. I think you, you know my heart is for you. I think you know that. And my heart is for this church. You know, I daydream. I daydream about this church. I daydream about it being powerful. I daydream about you doing incredible things that just blows up the news media. See, I think about these things. You guys doing incredible things. God manifesting his presence in this place where it's just crazy and we don't want to go home. But I also realize that I have a responsibility as a leader to protect. Because if this is not a safe environment, then you are not going to be able to open your hearts and you're going to hold back. And then everybody's shut down and then you're not going to get what you need and what God wants to deliver to you. So it's like, we're not having any of that. We want you to be safe. We want your hearts to be open where you can express your heart to God and let Him download to you. And He just, just smack you with His love, just a big wet kiss, and just say, I love you. But we do have to pay attention. We have to intentionally set our focus, our hearts to Him. And that's what the Lord's been inviting me to do these last number of days. I feel grace on me just to focus on Him. And it's been crazy. It's like, God. 
Sometimes all I can do is cry. And sometimes all I can say is, God, 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 God. He's so good. Would you stand with me? I just ask you to close your eyes and, and we are um, you know, I've said it earlier and as, as I was praying I believe the Holy Spirit is, is extending an invitation an invitation for us to draw closer to Him He more than us wants us to experience His greater glory He wants that He's the one that paid the full price Jesus shed that blood, that horrible death, so that we could gain, grab a hold of what he's made available. He wants it more than we do. We just have to align ourselves with him. So in your own way, under, you know, in, your, in your heart and everything, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer right now, but I just want you, he's extending that invitation to us to draw closer, specifically through worship. He wants worship to become such a tremendous value in our lives because of what it will bring, what it does. And so you just have a conversation with God right now. And you just, well, I'm not going to tell you how. Just, just, I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes. Father, we do recognize your grace being made available right now. You're drawing us to move closer. And I just thank you for the ability to do that, to move closer, to be intentional, to protect, to engage, to prepare ourselves before we come, to participate when we do come. And to be part of a body that's going to protect this place. That we're going to encourage one another not to be irreverent. Encourage one another to be on time. Just so that we can take advantage of this opportunity. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. And Father, I just... Thank you for, and I just speak your blessing over your people here. Speak the blessing of God, the peace of God, your encouragement, your provision over everyone in this this room and every family represented. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team to come forward. Because what I want to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity. In a second, I'm going to dismiss you. But if you have need, if you have physical need in your body, pain, sickness, or whatever, or you have some kind of need, you just need God just, just to you need an encounter with God in your life, finances, whatever, 
I want to invite you in a moment to come forward and, and just, just let the ministry team just minister and love on you. Okay? I want to close with this last statement. You know, I've been thinking about this. You know, because sometimes we talk about that when a move of God happens, it's like, you know, all of a sudden something's happened, then it's like we want to run towards that. Whoa, revival's happening. But what comes first? The, the heartfelt expectation and abandon and worship that draws God? Does that come first? Or does God show up and then we show up? And I was reminded of that scripture, draw close to me and I will. So what we want to do is, it's like we just want to put it on God and say, okay, God, we're coming after you. Get ready. We're coming after you. And we want this church to be that kind of a church. We come on Sunday mornings and we say, God, we're coming after you. Put a big old smile on his face. He says, hey, angels, see my kids right there? That's my favorite church right there. Well, you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you guys next time. And there's no Bible study this Wednesday, but August 6th would be our first one. But we'll see you before then, all right? And if you want to come up and receive prayer ministry, please come and do so. God bless you.